Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things black girl magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her league of extraordinary women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. Hello, ladies. It's your girl, Monica Wisdom, the host of the Black Women Amplified podcast, and I am so excited to be with you today. We have an incredible subject we're going to talk about. And it is confidence. Someone asked me the question, Monica, how are you so confident? That's not a title that I attach to myself because I feel like I kind of tumble through life. (laughs) I have a great adventurous spirit, but I never consider it to be a confident spirit. I mean, I know what I'm doing, but I guess my picture of confidence is a bit different than how I am. So I wanted to bring someone, a super friend, into the conversation. Someone who embraces confidence and is well-versed on the subject matter because it is her area of expertise. I wanted to bring to you my friend, Dr. Stephanie Brown. Kindness and empathy are pillars of Dr. Stephanie Brown's work. Not only is she an acclaimed physician and scientist, she is also a certified life coach. Dr. Stephanie, our super friend, joins us to talk about the subject of confidence. Our conversation will definitely be full of gems and pearls of wisdom. Her powerful methodology has landed her on the influential Yahoo Finance list of top life coaches in the nation. She's in the top 1%, y'all. You don't get much better than that. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone who loves this podcast, please give a warm welcome to Dr. Stephanie Brown. As Black women in America, especially Gen X Black women, we were born into a specific set of circumstances. We were born at the end of Jim Crow and the beginning of civil rights, and we were charged with taking up the reins of our parents and just pushing forward without thought about our dreams, our desires, or what we wanted to accomplish in life. We just started forging a path and moving forward, and with the weight of our ancestors' dreams with us as we forged these paths. And honestly, Black women, they say we're the most educated, we're the most accomplished. We have 15,000 degrees. We have 20 million awards. We've raised our children. We've had our careers. We've done all these things. But as we're going into our later years, we're asking ourselves the question, is there more? And as we ask ourselves, is there more? I think that there's a gap between what we were charged to do and our desires of what we want for our future. Because, hey, we're still young, vibrant women. (laughs) We still want to get our groove back. We still want to accomplish things, but we really want to do it on our own terms. And so in this gap that is happening, I'm noticing, and maybe Stephanie's noticing it too, that women, especially Black women, are dealing with a specific type of sadness that's happening in our communities that we don't show to the world. But in those silent moments, it's there. When we're by ourselves, that silence is there. And I really feel like it's a part of lack of self-confidence and then imposter syndrome, and then that deep desire to want more because it's the first time that we've looked up and said, what do I want to do with myself? What do I want to do with my life? So I have my own opinions about all of this, But I wanted to bring Dr. Stephanie into the conversation so that she can give her incredible insights and knowledge and experience with working with women, Black women, not only on the physical side, but on the side of well-being and mental health. 
And she gives us a unique perspective on how all of this happens. So Dr. Stephanie, thank you for joining us on the Black Women Amplified podcast. I'm so happy that you had the time to fit us into your schedule. As you just told me, you're preparing to travel the world and see the continent. So I'm really excited about that. I love when Black women go to the continent. That's a whole nother conversation. But thank you for joining us. And I want to welcome you. And before we move forward, I want to hear a little bit about your backstory. So can you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. I just want to say thank you for inviting me, Maya. And hello to Black Women Amplified. I'm so excited to be here and so proud of this community and what you all are doing and striving to do. And love being in connection and in community with Black women who uplift other Black women. So a little bit about myself. As Monica mentioned, I am a a physician or maybe a recovering physician, (laughs) 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 but I'm excited because just a few months ago, I made a huge decision. And that decision was to, after 25 years in medicine, to leave medicine as my main career and to become an entrepreneur and focus on my coaching business. I still practice medicine, but I practice it on my own terms. Like Monica was saying that a lot of us have gone through this this struggle or this metamorphosis where we realize that we have been doing things and doing things a certain way. And we realize that doing those things that way was not making us feel fulfilled. It wasn't making us feel happy. And we really did have like a sense of sadness or this question of there's got to be more. And that was definitely me. You know, at age nine, I knew I wanted to be a physician. And that's what I wanted to do because I was raised by my grandmother. We grew up in the projects and she had severe asthma and was always in and out of the hospital. And seeing her in and out of the hospital, I really feel like I just felt so helpless because she was the person that I loved most in this world. And my young mind decided that I wanted to become a physician so that I could, if I couldn't save her, she passed when I was 12, that maybe I could save and heal other people. Mm -hmm. So that was my reason for going into medicine. And during the journey of practicing medicine, my desire to heal people didn't change. But the system of medicine definitely changed and became very difficult to be a healthy person yourself within that system. And so that's what I was experiencing, but I didn't know that that's what I was experiencing. I could not put words on it. All I knew is that I just didn't feel the way I wanted to feel. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to a conference and listening to a life coach. And she started talking about checkbox lives and how you have the family check, the career check, the social life check. You have all these boxes checked, but you don't feel the way you thought you were going to feel once those boxes were checked. And I said, aha, that that's what I'm experiencing. And so I worked with that life coach. I gained clarity on what it was, what my purpose, what I felt my purpose was for being on this earth. And just had some amazing transformation and realizing that my purpose was to help women Mm -hmm. and specifically black women to heal emotionally, physically, spiritually, socially, everything that being a life coach was a vehicle, was the vehicle I was going to choose to do that amongst other things. And so that's how I ended up where I am now. That's a beautiful story. I I hear that a lot with physicians that I wanted to help somebody in my family. And if I couldn't help them, I want to help as many people as I can not have to, not to have to suffer in this life. And I know you said that life coaching became the vehicle, but how did you reconcile medicine and life coaching? Because one's very scientific and the other's very, I don't want to say (laughs) woo-woo, but it's a lot of different types of modalities that go into life coaching. So How did you reconcile that? And what is your approach to life coaching? Well, it's great that we're talking about confidence because choosing to become a life coach when you're a physician and when the world sees you as a professional and a scientist takes confidence because 
people going to give you the side eye and look at you like you're crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're basically walking away from golden handcuffs. So to answer your question, I didn't reconcile it. I just made a different choice. And a lot of people, when I would explain it to them, they tried to reconcile it for me. They were like, oh, 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 you can kind of do this and combine it with that and open up a practice that does this. No, actually, I just really want to make a different choice. I want to take a different path. And I think of it this way. You you look at other people who've had multiple different careers. They've been a dancer. They've been an actress. Then they become, they own a, a store or they open up products or they, other People do different careers and have different chapters in their life, but there's certain careers where they expect you to do that from the day you start to the day you die. And medicine is one of those things. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of confidence for me to just say, no, I'm making a different choice. I don't have to reconcile these two. But the thread that connects them is that when I am talking to patients who are ready to take charge and make changes necessary for their physical health, that invigorates me and gives me energy and allows me to give that patient more energy. And so I understood that about myself. And that's a similar feeling that I get when I'm coaching someone because when they are ready to take charge of their life and I'm able to help them become more empowered, I'm I'm in my flow. That That's where I'm supposed to be. What are some of the programs that you do as a life coach or what are some of the processes that you take your clients through as a life coach? So I am trained as a core energy life coach, which basically just means that I believe that we have, that everything has an energetic consequence, right? So this is kind of similar to being a science, right? Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's only transformed. Oh, oh, hola, hola. <laughs> Say that again and slower and louder for the people in the back. Yes. Energy is not created or destroyed. It's only transformed. And so if you think of a chemist and they're in the lab and they're putting together potions and they've got smoke coming out and they start with something and they end with something else, that's energy that's being transformed. Right. And with life coaching, I help people to transform their energy as well, to shift it. So a lot of times because of the stress that we're under, our energy is low, or I like to use the word catabolic, which means it restricts us and it doesn't allow us to see all of our choices. And it feels bad. It's draining. The feelings are like frustration or we feel like a victim. We feel powerless. So that's catabolic energy. Anabolic energy is when the type of energy that causes you to thrive, causes you to soar, causes you to heal, that healing, that growth energy. And those feelings are feelings that everything is going to work out. They're feelings of passion. They're feelings of purpose, uh, feeling of peace and of no judgment. That's the biggest thing about anabolic energy is that the judgment is either not there or very low. And so I help my clients shift that energy from catabolic to anabolic in the simplest terms. And I have lots of ways that I do that, lots of techniques. The technique that I use the most is number one, raising your consciousness so that you realize a lot of times we live life on autopilot. If you think about getting in a car, going from your parents' house to your house and you start driving and you end up home and you don't really realize how you got there, that's because you went into autopilot. You know that route, you just went into autopilot. And our brains do the same thing. There's certain pathways that we have taken so many times that our brain just turns it on for us and we're not making a conscious choice, right? It's just an unconscious thing that we do. Because how many times you've gotten in the car and you knew you were going to the left, but you started going to work? (laughs) Yep. Yep, absolutely. And you're like, dang. Like, why am I over here? (laughs) Exactly. Why am I over? Why am I? Because your brain was like, let me help her out. Let me just take over for her. But some of those paths and those, I call them stories or narratives or unconscious pathways, no longer serve us for where we want to go. They were fine for where we were to get us to where we are, but they're not going to work for where we want to go. And so 
becoming conscious of those things, taking yourself off autopilot is the first step. And then the second step is recognizing your thoughts. What thought are you thinking that's causing you to feel a certain way, that's causing you to act or not act a certain way? And then I help my clients to change that thought so that they can feel the way they want to feel and have the outcome and the action that they desire to have. So that's one of the ways, techniques that I use. That was a lot. I mean, it's it's a very powerful statement because we have to know that there are more things that are going on with our bodies and our minds than we're actually aware of. And once we learn, it's like, oh, wait, oh, it's like I was listening to a podcast about an entrepreneur that had ADHD. And I was like, wait a minute, that sounds like me. Am I undiagnosed? <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds like, like my, my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I think. And it was like, I was never brought to that awareness until I listened to this podcaster. And I was like, oh my God, I feel seen. (laughs) I thought I was just losing it. I didn't realize it was the whole thing. And both of us work with some really strong and powerful women. And because we have their trust and they respect us, we also hear what happens in the silence. So what is it that you're, I don't want to get specific. I don't want to tell anybody's business, but overall, what conversations are you hearing about what's happening in those silent moments? When you were speaking in the opening, it really resonated with me because a lot of what you said is exactly what I'm hearing in those silent moments. I'm hearing that these women are extremely accomplished. We are extremely accomplished. We have the black girl magic side of it on, you know, on fleek. It's definitely happening. Mm -hmm. But inside there really is still this, this sadness because a lot of us are still playing out the expectations of other people. Mm. So whether that was the expectations of our parents or the expectations of our ancestors, which we now know, Is communicated to us through our DNA. So we didn't even have to be aware epigenetics or ever have lived in the same lifetime, but that is passed down through us, right? So talk about that piece a little bit more, because I I think that people have to understand that there, like I said before, there's things going on in our body that we have no idea that is happening. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about epigenetics, what is that and, and how does it impact our body? So epigenetics is a theory that says that trauma, but also gifts can are passed down in our G- DNA from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of specifics about how it probably comes through the mother's DNA and a lot of scientific things that I won't go into. But it basically means that even from, so not just slavery times, so definitely the trauma from slavery, but even if you think about before slavery times, mm-hmm. when we were kings and queens and business owners and, and taking care of ourselves, all of that, pieces of that are passed down through us. And so we have that within us. We don't necessarily always know how to access it or access it but we have that in us. And sometimes the trauma shows up and we don't know where that trauma came from. And it can be generational trauma that just kind of got passed down to us. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that's kind of happening in our bodies that, that we may not even be aware of. And so we carry that expectation or that weight with us. And sometimes that's a heavy load to carry. And there are other people who don't carry such heavy loads. You know, other people don't have as much expectation placed on them. And similar to what you said, what I find a lot with high achieving professional Black women is that we work so hard, partly because we've been conditioned to earn our validation, earn our love, earn our support, earn our place. And even when we get to the top where we have supposedly earned it all, That's what we've done our entire lives. So we don't know how to do anything different. We don't know how to rest on our laurels or or just to be. And so I work with women to first 
let them know they don't have to earn anything. They are deserving just merely because they are born. You know, you were born to be loved and to love and you are enough just the way you are. And then secondly, to learn a different way of living than always constantly having to earn and earn and earn. And then thirdly, to like kick the addictive habit to validation. We don't need to be validated by anybody outside of ourselves and whoever our higher power is. So to kick that addiction that has come along with that earn reward, earn reward to validation. I love how you worded that as as an addiction, meaning that it's something that we can overcome. And so what is one or two ways that, and I know that you you go into a deeper level when you're in practice with people, but what are one or two ways that we can, one, be aware that it's an addiction, you know, the self-awareness piece of it, but kind of like open the door to understanding it? Those are great questions. I think that, you know, I saw this quote that I think is perfect for what we're talking about. And it says, maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you. So you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really captures the way I think about it. My coaching philosophy is called uh, realignment. And I feel like we need to realign with our most authentic selves. If you think about it, a baby is born perfectly confident and perfectly, they don't have any insecurities about themselves. As we grow, as we go through childhood, all of those things are placed on us. So if we can realign with our most authentic selves, then I feel like we can really get back to that place of peace and not having to be addicted to validation. Mm-hmm. So one of the first steps is just to ex- accept this fact that the journey is about really unbecoming everything that was placed on us. It's not your fault. Things have been placed on you and just kind of letting it go. And I think about that like an excavation journey, like an archaeologist who's excavating and they're going through different layers of sediment that has built up over time. And you just have to kind of excavate. And every time you get to a different layer, you realize that there are different things that you have to release and let go of. So once you do that, then the second thing is really visualizing. And I like to do vision boards and other visualization exercises, visualizing what it is that you feel called to do on this earth or what it is that, and that can be spend your time traveling around the world. It can be being of service to others. It can, it can be anything, but just visualize what it is that brings you joy, what it is that makes you feel that sense of ease and flow, that you're not hustling, that you're not struggling, that you're not pushing, that you're just being and just lean into the being. So those would be two things. And that you're enough. You don't need 15 more degrees. You don't need 15 certifications. There are people making money just getting up every morning and brushing their teeth on film. I mean, like, (laughs) I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at, I look at the younger people, how they're making money and how we were taught that it had to be hard. It had to be a burden. You know, like uh, Bell Hook says that Black women are the mules of society. And it's time for us to let that go. And it's, it's the understanding of the, I love the visualization piece because I totally believe in that. And I believe that black women, we don't take the time one to see ourselves in the future or to see our future past the tasks or the accomplishments that we want to achieve. We don't look at, okay, what do I want my lifestyle to look like? So if your lifestyle, if you say, okay, well, I want to get this degree. I want to have this type of car. I want to have this type of house. That's what you said before the checklist, check, 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 check. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the overall picture of life, what does that look like? Like you have to go beyond. It's like uh, Nichelle Nichols, I'm I'm a Trekkie, just passed away. And I'm always hark, I always hark back to the conversation Dr. King had with her 
when she was ready to quit Star Trek. He said, no, we have to see you because I'm paraphrasing, but we have to see ourselves in the future. Mm. So that powerful idea of a vision is something that that's all around us. I mean, Dr. King said, I had a dream. What he was saying is I have a vision for our people that's bigger than me. And so, but also we have to also recognize the vision is also for us because the one thing that we know how to do as black women is do everything for everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) And then we turn 50 and we're like, when am I going to start doing for myself? And we don't know how to do that, period, mm-hmm. because it is so ingrained in us. And I say all this to say is what is it? Because you just went through this when you made a different choice with how you wanted to heal people. How do Black women specifically say that I can make a different choice? I can make a different future for myself. Tomorrow does not have to look like yesterday. Yeah, that's a great question because it is really when when I see black women who are like trying to make that choice, it's just because they have experienced so much pain that they right. are forced to make that choice. I would love to see black women making that choice before they get to the point of such suffering that they have to just choosing to. And so I think it starts with education, right? As as young as early as childhood and young girls and teenagers telling people, young Black girls, that they have choices and that they can make that choice. And so I think that there is a shift. I think like our generation is kind of almost caught in a time warp a little bit. I think younger generations are shifting and seeing that they have choices. And hopefully it's younger generations of Black girls and women too. So we have to teach that. We have to tell them that. We have to give them permission. And we have to give them permission to fail, right? When you're making different choices, you're going to fail a lot (laughs) off the kind of standard path and giving ourselves and each other permission to fail. I think that's one thing we don't, we don't do. We don't, we don't like to fail and we don't want to, we don't want to fail, but it's, it's okay. It's just, you're learning what works and what doesn't work. And there's no way you're ever going to create something new if you don't take risks to learn what works and what doesn't work. So making it easier for us to fail, um, having a safe place, a safe community to be able to share with when things don't go 100% the way you wanted them, when you make a different choice and it's not the right choice and you have to make another different choice. I think that that's key for us and our generation and for younger women, just telling them that they have that permission, that they have that freedom. That's a beautiful way to put that. I appreciate that because it is something that I tell people that I have, and I know I made this up and you're a doctor and you can tell me I made it up. What I'm going to say to you, I said I have perfectionist syndrome and I'm working really hard to get rid of it because I see how it has, has hindered my life because my daddy ingrained in me, if you can't do it right the first time, just don't do it. So that's a conditioning that has taken over my mind and my body. And so I'm either a hundred or I'm zero. So now I'm trying to get into the gray areas where it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay not to get it right because it's just okay. (laughs) It's okay to be mediocre sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, I I think you just said a bad word right there. I mean, (laughs) black women, most black women don't do mediocre. (laughs) Black excellence people are going to tweet me everything else. I'm like, I don't care. I want the confidence of a mediocre white boy who's out there making billions. I want that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If, if this last, you know, president didn't teach us anything oh. that mediocre people can rise to levels that you would not believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was having a conversation with a friend and they have two sons. I have two sons that are in high school. They're going into 10th and 11th grade. Mm-hmm. And we were all talking about the potential career paths of our children. And they made a comment about their son. What, you know, one of their sons 
wanting to be an attorney. And they were like, well, you know, he's a great talker. He can talk his way out of anything, but the follow through is not there. And I said, all of these mediocre attorneys out here (laughs) doing all types of stuff. This brilliant young king can definitely be an attorney. Right. Exactly. So yeah, definitely. And it's okay. I like what you said. We're not going to be mediocre at everything, but there's some things that, you know, we can, we can do the bare minimum and that's just fine. I always, I say mediocre, but I tell people we're 10 steps ahead of most people anyway. So (laughs) our mediocre looks different than most. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And speaking of that confidence, we, I hear imposter syndrome thrown around. And I have my own opinion about imposter syndrome and Black women. But can you explain to us what is the difference between lack of confidence and imposter syndrome? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So imposter syndrome has a couple of different definitions. But one of the most common definitions is that even though you are, you have the credentials, you have the training, you've gotten the position, you're in the room, you still feel like you don't quite belong there. And you're kind of looking around your shoulder thinking, okay, when is everybody else going to figure this out? And so you kind of doubt yourself and second guess yourself. And it's usually used professionally. Most people have imposter syndrome in professional situations. So I would say lack of confidence, you can have lack of confidence in different areas of your life. You can be very confident professionally, but have lack of confidence when it comes to creating friendships or lack of confidence in relationships. And it's just that you, sometimes it comes from most often low self-esteem, that you just have um, low self-esteem and you may not feel like you're enough or you're good enough, or you can do things that you want to do, that you have the the skills or the talents. I think imposter syndrome, you know, you have the skills or the talents, but you just second guess yourself and question yourself and wonder if you really should be there. So they're pretty similar, but that's sort of my take on the difference between the two. I'd love to hear your take. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm always going to be far to the other side. I personally, for Black women, because of the society we live in, I don't think we're quite experiencing imposter syndrome. I think we have, and another term I'm making up, (laughs) (laughs) that's what I do. I think we have systemic racism syndrome because we deal with systemic racism. It's so normalized now that we don't feel it until we do something like leave the country and it's not there. But every day we are set up for disappointment. And every day people are trying to push us out of the room and keep us away. So it's not imposter. It's very real. Mm -hmm. To the point it can become, it will start to feel like you don't belong there. But it's actually somebody pushing you away. You know, it's like invisible man who hits you over the head and you're like, there's nobody there. But there actually is somebody there. There's an invisible thing called systemic racism. And we deal with it every single day from going to get something to eat, to driving to the mall, to getting to the mall. Like every area it is set up. Let's not even talk about medicine. That's a whole nother. Everybody everybody needs to watch Aftershock on Hulu. That's all I'm going to say about that. But it's something that is so normalized that we think that this is how life is supposed to be. So it's easy to couch it in um, imposter syndrome, but we're actually dealing with something very real. And I think that when we take it to imposter syndrome, we think that it's something that we can do to make it better. And there are things that we can do about, you know, getting a thicker skin and wearing an awareness of what's actually going on. But there are some real things happening to Black women every single day. And we have to acknowledge that, that no, we're not losing it. This is real. It's like yesterday I got pulled over by a cop and he, the way that he did it, I saw the whole thing and I called him out on it when he pulled, I know I shouldn't have, I know they tell me, Monica, keep your mouth shut, but I called him out on on it. And I was like, why you got your hand on your gun? And, you know, I just went through the whole thing with him to the point where he felt bad 
mm-hmm. for pulling me over. But I, in that moment, I refused to be scared. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I had to pull on my confidence because my trauma was kicking up. And I had to make a, a conscious choice of how am I going to be in this moment. And so when I say that, it's not that I did anything wrong because I didn't. He didn't give me a ticket. He didn't find me for anything. He actually helped me with the situation he had pulled me over for. Wow. And by the end of it, he was like, I'm sorry. And, you know, it was just, but it was, it, and I'm not saying I'm special in any of this. It was just consciously I had to make a choice. Was I going to let my trauma take over and be scared? Or am I going to call this man on his stuff in a gentle, kind way and let him recognize, I know you pulled me over because I'm Black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And let me tell you how you did it. I saw you do it. So that's very real. And I could have gone to the place where, oh my God, I should have done this. I should have done that. And started spinning about all the things I could have done better when the truth of the matter, it was something very real going on. So that's my take on imposter syndrome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just so glad that, that that had a good outcome for you because we know in so many other situations, there's a risk. It does not happen. Yeah. Not having a good outcome. I agree. I agree with what you said about imposter syndrome. And as you were talking, several things came up for me. And one of them is, you know, I th- imposter syndrome started, most of the writing, I think, started with situations with white women. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you bring it up as with for Black women, it being institutional racism, I think for white women, it probably was um, the patriarchy and mm-hmm. misogyny. And I definitely experienced imposter syndrome as different than self-confidence. But sometimes once you are in imposter syndrome long enough, it affects your self-confidence. And I'll give you an example. In my last employed position, I definitely experienced imposter syndrome because I saw other people around me. Well, for one, they brought me in. They hired me as like the first full-time doctor in this certain unit with the possibility of becoming the chief. Mm. So that was how they hired me. And then within my first week, I was getting all of this feedback about, I was getting patient complaints because I was chewing gum and I did this and I did that. And Mm. like, and I was like, what in the world? And it was clear like a month in that I had broken some rules, unwritten rules. And I was no longer probably, you know, in contingency for that position. And then over a matter of several years, just getting this feedback, this expectation of professionalism that is not in alignment with my most authentic self and and always trying to jump through these hoops and reach these different levels. I felt like I did not belong and I was not good enough in that setting. But my confidence was still there because I knew I was a good physician. I knew I had been promoted and had different leadership positions in other settings. What was it about this setting? But after a while, it did make me question myself, you know, after years and years and years in that situation, and it did start to affect my confidence. So I think that that's sort of a difference of imposter syndrome and confidence, you can still have confidence in yourself and experience imposter syndrome. And I think it really points out what you said, that it really is institutional racism Mm -hmm. or you said systemic racism. So I'm saying also institutional racism. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, you start to doubt yourself, but you know, you, you know, you're the bomb, like (laughs) you got the wall full of plaques that says I'm a badass. But then you have these people who don't feel like you should be there and they let you know in little microaggressive ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those microaggressions. She's chewing gum. Well, he's walking down the hall eating a sandwich. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) So in making the distinction between imposter syndrome and confidence, how can one build their confidence? First of all, Confidence is a skill. I think sometimes people look at, they think it's a personality trait, right? 
this person is confident, this person is not. It is a skill that can be built. And so once you accept that, then just like any other skill, you can get the tools and then you have to implement and start practicing. So one of the ways you can build your confidence is with affirmations, just affirming to yourself, especially if you're in a situation where you're experiencing microaggressions, you have to counteract that by, you know, 200 fold, right? So just affirming yourself. I like to do affirmations orally. I like to tell myself, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am exactly where I need to be at this time and moment. I am, you know, placed on this earth to affect millions of lives. And I'm so excited to be doing it. I am beautiful. My body is perfect just the way it is. Whatever it is, I just constantly affirm myself. So that's one thing I think really helps to build your confidence. And I know people can be very uncomfortable with affirmations because you're like, okay, well, how can I affirm a part of myself that I'm still working on? Mm-hmm. We can be absolutely black girl magic personified and a work in progress at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. That is one of the, the mysteries of humanity, right? So you can affirm all that you are, all that you want to be in the present tense. Because if you think about it from a spiritual perspective, what was, what is, what is to come is all, is all here, right? Mm-hmm. So just affirm it. Another thing that you can do to build your confidence is to set boundaries. I think sometimes we lack confidence because we don't set strong boundaries. And when you allow people to walk over your boundaries, it makes you feel bad and it wears away at your confidence. So set those boundaries that you need to set in order to protect your peace and to protect your energy. And if I had to give a third point about building confidence, I would say one thing that builds my confidence is reading about other people who have done wonderful things, reading inspiring stories, listening to inspiring podcasts like this one, just immersing yourself in positivity and the things that you read and the things that you listen to and then the people that you surround yourself with mm-hmm. surround yourself with people who see the greatness in you and when you're having a low moment they can bring that out of you not with people who are jealous who are trying to bring you down who are negative who are haters because that is definitely going to keep you in a low confidence state so those will be three things that we can do to build our confidence that's amazing and that's I love that you said it's a skill because we think it's a personality or persona, but it is something that you have to learn. It's something you learn from, and it's a repetition and consistency. And you have, we have to constantly remind ourselves because even, you know, want to go to the Bible, it talks about speak life, you Mm -hmm. know? So affirmations is purely about speaking what the future is right now. Because once you step into the future, then all of that is there because you've created it with how you speak about yourself, how you speak about your environment, how you speak about society, all of those things. I I remember one of my um, spiritual teachers, when we got done with a retreat, she would say, okay, now it begins 30 days of no complaining, Mm. 30 days of no complaining. You can't complain about anything. (laughs) (laughs) And so what it does is it shows you how you talk about how you talk to yourself and then how you talk to talk about the, you know, the negativity that you put in your life from your mouth. And so affirmations is counteracts that because when you my my affirmation for a long time is I am worthy because I didn't because of my childhood, I didn't feel like I had worth. I didn't feel like I had value. So I had to counteract those negative programs that were put into me by putting a positive program inside of me. And so that's what affirmations do. And you talked about it earlier about how we have to release some things or how, you know, and we have to deprogram ourselves. Yes. You know, I I always say with a computer, you have to reboot. (laughs) And sometimes you have to erase all of the programming, reboot and start over, but you can't start over with the things that did not serve you before. So that's, 
Oh, we can talk about this all day. <laughs> I know, I know. I always say that, you know, that the secret is that the the work of adulthood is really unlearning. And yes. yeah, the, that's like the secret work of adulthood is, is just kind of unlearning all the stuff that's not serving you. Because I think it's important to to say again that we are born exactly how we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then the thoughts, ideas, and intentions of other people are placed in us like a computer program. And then that begins to build our personality. And then we get older, we realize, wait a minute. (laughs) I've been rolling in the matrix. This is not who I am. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So we have to get, you know, get to the business of, like you said, unlearning. And that's a beautiful way to end this conversation with the understanding that nobody's doing anything wrong. We are only doing what we've been taught and we're doing it over and over and over again. And we are finding that it no longer works. And through this conversation, we've learned that we have a choice and we can make a choice uh, based on what we want not for what we want for our kids, not for what we want for our husbands, not what society wants for us, but take a beautiful journey of self-discovery to find your own voice and find that what's speaking inside of you that wants to come out. So I, like I said, I could talk about this all day. I have 10,000 more questions, but (laughs) I want to respect your time. And I just want you to say, what is one thing now that you've gone over into this other world of being in the the uh, beauty of your own choices, what is the one thing that you could tell our listeners that's available to them for their future? Hmm. Well, the power of your voice. You know, I used to be really quiet. Well, as a child, I was very gregarious. And then My fourth grade teacher told me, well, I never recommended you for the gifted and talented program because you just talk too much. (gasps) And that shut my voice down for a long time, probably up until, you know, several years ago, I would just kind of be more in the background and, and listen. I didn't think I was witty enough to really participate in the conversation but I have discovered the power of my voice and the power of my story. Mm. And I think that that is, it gives you confidence when you discover the power of your voice and the power of your story. And it doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. Like sometimes I used to hate the sound of my voice. I love the sound of my voice now. <laughs> I love the fact that that I'm able to speak and able to share my story and that I can connect with people that way. So If you have not discovered the power of your story, your story can transform and change so many people's lives. So that's one thing that's waiting on the other side of you. And then just something that's really funny is I was just thinking about this today. I love saying no. And I'm so excited. I feel like as an entrepreneur, you look forward to the times that you can say no, because I had to fight so hard for this freedom Mm -hmm. to be able to say no to have the freedom to make my own choices and say no to things that I don't. So I'm like looking at my schedule. What things can I say no to? What are <laughs> to come in my way that I get to say no to? So I love utilizing my no. And that's something else. If you're not able to say no, or you don't feel like you can say no, that's something else that you can look forward to. And I'm so happy to have been here. I would love Uh, to connect with any of your listeners if they want to hear more about confidence or if they want some help along the journey of building their confidence. I'm here for that as well. How can people get in touch with you? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I am on social media. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have a uh, Stephanie Brown Coaching. I'm on Instagram at Stephanie Brown Coaching. And my website is stephaniebrowncoaching.com. So it's basically Stephanie Brown Coaching. And I have lots of wonderful content that 
I give away for free on on my uh, social media platforms and you can sign up to be on my newsletter. And I just love to be in community with Black women who want to uplift other Black women. So I would love for you to just come pay me a visit on social media. (laughs) What is your, I know that you have a community on Facebook. What is the name of that community? You have a private community. Yes, it is called the SOAR Circle. SOAR stands for Sisters Overcoming and Rising, but it's S-O-A-R Circle, and it's a private Facebook community. So you can search it up, and there's a couple questions you have to answer to become a member. But yeah, that's that's a wonderful space as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have dropped like a whole diamond shop on top of us. Um, (laughs) And so many treasures and just... I told y'all she's phenomenal. (laughs) So connect with you, connect with her in any way that you can. If it's just following her on Instagram and um, getting in, getting involved in her community. Like I'm not going to bring you anybody who's going to take advantage of you or sell you a bunch of BS just to make some money. She's sincere about everything she does to the point. The reason, one of the main reasons I have this podcast is because of, Dr. Stephanie, encouraging me to use my voice in the world and put myself out there. So she's the truth. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Monica. <laughs> it's, it's been fun. This was so much fun. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. And I'm going to tell you, you got an open space here. Anytime you want to come and talk about anything, just you know how to reach me. Say, hey, okay. let's, let's have a show about X, Y, Z. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll probably <laughs> take you up on that. This is your second home in the podcast world. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in and re-listen to it again and again and share it with your people. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts so that you can get more news and information and enjoy the great series that we have coming up. I love you all. Peace and blessings to everyone. Have a great, great day wherever you are. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining.